Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. Thanks, Sam. Kate, I reckon we could listen to your voice all day. And I think, I think we should do like story time with Kate. And we just show up and you can like read the whole series of Narnia or something. And we'll just all sit here and have a coffee and a drink and listen. We'll, we'll pay you, but you know. But you could. No, you did a great job. And you did Luke as well. But just her voice, you know. You can just listen to Kate's voice for a long time. Cool. It's that English accent. That's what it is. It's great to have you here today. You can take a seat. And uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, two words. Uh, Two words that are on the screen already called grace and truth. And um, these two words will, uh, will allow you to win in life. These two words will get you through life. And uh, two or three weeks ago, I, I talked a bit about this with the transformation guys down at chapel. And I just want to highlight this and felt to talk about this because these two words are, are designed not to be separated, but they work together. And uh, all through the Bible, Jesus talked about this. And I want to start to share about these two words and then share some stories and some situations that happened with Jesus' interaction with people three different times and how grace and truth were revealed in those situations. So in John 1, 14, it's which is his son, son, who came from the world and truth. He's full of truth. He was full of truth. And one cup down, the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The Lord's given Moses, which showed what you should right and wrong and all that. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at these two words, um, you know, people have definitions for uh, grace. And some of you may have heard them. And probably the most common one of grace, you can sort of kind of understand what grace is. And, uh, but you can sort of break that word down as God's riches at Christ's expense. It's like an acronym of G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Another v- way to say grace would be its undeserved favor. Receiving something you didn't deserve. Being given something you didn't deserve. Maybe someone paying a debt that you couldn't pay. You didn't deserve it, but someone did it. They did it for you because they care about you, because they love you. That's grace. Jesus died on the cross for our sin and paid a price we couldn't pay and said, I forgive you, I'll pay the price for all your sin, and you can come into my kingdom and know me. That's grace. And so Jesus talked about grace, and he also talked about truth. If you go into the uh, dictionary, there's, there's a few different um, you know, definitions of truth, but main, the main thing about truth is truth is something without deception. Truth is being in accord with fact or reality. And, uh, you know, but we live in a world, and I just want to talk about truth for a minute, because we live in a world where people are making up their own truth. Who knows that? Uh, Truth based on feelings. That's a craze right now. Truth based on their experiences of how what's happened in the past or how I've been treated, 
I'll just make my truth around that. Truth that keeps changing to suit someone's agenda. You know, no wonder, you know, people get disorientated with who they can trust or leaders or leadership or some people in authority or friends or family if their truth, what they say, keeps changing all the time. And the problem is that, you know, we have groups of people that will go, oh, well, I've got my own truth. So they come up with this, their own version of truth about a situation or about a, a thing or about life or about, you know, something everyone's talking about. And they'll say, this is true. This is what it is. And people gather around that. And then someone else will go, oh, no, that's not exactly right. This is truth. Over it. This is what I believe. This is truth. And it's a bit different to yours. But this is truth. You're a little bit wrong. And so people gather around that. Then there's another group of people over here going, no, well, this is true truth and this is you know this is you guys are both wrong and so this is what truth is you could come follow me and listen to my truth and then all those groups of people all fight with each other happens all the time that's what social media runs on and so that's facebook that's facebook in a nutshell right there and so all these people and the problem is that some of those people are in very prominent positions and leaders do it, and countries do it, and, and people on different sides of government do it, and people with different genders do it, and people with, that run, you know, have great influence will make up their truth to suit what they feel is right or what they, how they want to live it. The problem is with that is that when they live, truth has to be lived out. And so when you go, okay, I've got this idea of what truth is, and I'm going to live out this truth, everything you live out has consequences. Consequences can be good and consequences can be bad. And so people have idea, have truth, they say this is truth, and, and some people come up with, you know, have come up with all these different uh, genders. Yes, let's go there for a minute. And so they say, well, this is truth. There's not just male and female. There's, there's like 50. So one group's in the 50 and other group's in the 100 and they're still arguing with each other. And so it's true. It's just it's crazy. And so, so they come, this is truth. And so, so then they live that out. Oh, we need to ten, teach this in our schools because there is not just male and female. So then we need to state the next step. People need to know about this. Kids need to know about this. And in a lot of our state schools, not every one of them, but um, a lot of them, uh, they're teaching different genders because we've got to be inclusive. And this is not because the because the truth, this is truth. And now, if you look at it really, it's not based on science. It's not based on other. It's based on people's experiences and how they're feeling. And they come up with all these other things saying, but this is truth. Let's run with this agenda because this fits how I feel. This fits how I want to live life. And people come up with their own truth. If I don't want to listen to someone else, well, I'll just, oh, I'm going to come up with my own idea of truth. I'm going to come up with my own way of living life. And it has consequences. And if people follow that truth and follow that person, then the consequences can be very much downhill. You know, I, I can imagine, you know, you see people interviewed and talked and, and, there's, and one question that's been asked around the world and, and, and media people ask a question and they keep asking this question to different people saying, can you, can you tell us what a woman is? Define, and, you know, and some people answer it, you know, what, you know, what they think. And most people are too scared to give a definite answer because of the backlash they'll face. It's not a, it's not a complicated question. And, like, and it's not. And so, but they're like, but they're scared of what social media and media and all that are going to say about them if they don't make it fit with everybody. The truth is, you can't make it fit with everybody. 
oh, we've got to try and please everybody. So they say, oh, I can't answer that because I know I'm going to upset someone. Well, welcome to the world. You're not there to please everyone. You're there to have a conviction. You're there to live under something and have a conviction. And so, you know, I'd hate to, but, you know, imagine asking the question, can you explain to me what truth is? They'd be like, oh, truth's whatever you want it to be. You know, like, you know, oh, well, whatever, some, whatever they feel like it's going to be. You know, it could be whatever they want to come up with. So you can imagine they, people are living life without strong convictions these days. There's leaders living like they'll say they have convictions, but when, they, when it really, when they live it out, it doesn't look that way to me. And so I want to I'm not here today to talk about my truth. I'm not here to talk about someone else's truth. I'm here to talk about the truth of God's Word, which is based on a moral foundation in the Word of God that has never changed, has never had to change. So people's truth has to change all the time. Science is changing all the time. They said, oh, this is how it happens, and they adjust it when they find out something new. The Word of God has never changed. And so when other people can change all the time to fit their agenda or fit how they're feeling or whatever it is, but God's Word has never changed. His truth is never changed. And truth in the Word of God is more than just some words on a page. Truth is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you today about truth, grace and truth, and truth that is based on foundation. Because if truth isn't based on a solid foundation or a moral foundation, eventually that truth is going to fall apart. People have all these ideas at the moment. If you follow me, this is truth, that's truth. And down the road, they're going to be, they're going to be like forgotten because it's all going to change. And everything they said is not going to matter anymore because it's all moved on and changed because they had no moral foundation. But the Word of God and Jesus Christ will still be there in the midst of it all. and His truth will still remain. And anything that comes up against that breaks. Anything that comes up that against Him crumbles. Anything that comes up against the Word of God breaks. It can't, stop, it can't stop the Word of God when it comes up against it. The Word of God is much stronger. The truth of God's Word and His, um, His moral foundation is much stronger than anyone's man-made idea. And so Jesus says in John 14, 6, He says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I'm it. You can try and get to God in many other ways, but I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. I am life. You want to find life? Come through me. So truth is based on a foundation. And so when we live our life, we're like thinking, well, when, when we look at you know, situations, you may have a problem, you may have something you're going through, and you go, how do I handle the situation? One thing you can do is you can go to the Word of God, and you read the Word of God, and it gives you truth about a situation. That's why it's so important to read the Word of God, I'm telling you, and to not just read it, but memorize some scripture. Because what are you going to do one day if you haven't got a Bible? There's people in our world that would love a Bible, they haven't got one. If they have one, they can get killed. In countries, it's illegal to own a Bible. And if you get caught with one, they'll throw you in prison or they'll kill you. There's many countries like that. Because, you know, it's amazing that every other book's okay, but the Bible you can't have. This book must be dangerous. This book must be true. It must be a threat. 
That alone is a reason like, why, why, why would they do that? Why would they try and ban that? Because it's so powerful when you read it. It's life-changing. It's not, not just a book. It's, it's living. It's active. And so you can read the Word of God. It will give you answers on how to handle certain situations. The other thing you can do is look at the life of Jesus and how he handled situations and read the Gospels. And when you see how Jesus answered and how he treated people, you can use those examples to live out your life and say, I'm going to do what Jesus did. That's when that phrase, what would Jesus do, is that's why it was, they come up with that going, I'm looking at his life. In my situation, what would Jesus do? It's about because it's based on truth, it's based on life, it's based on fact, it's based on reality. How do I handle the situation? I'm going to look how Jesus handled that situation and I'm going to go to the Word of God and see what it says about how I should treat to this person, how I should speak to this person, how I should handle this situation. So we're talking about grace and truth, not just grace and not just truth, but grace in truth. What I said is very important. It's not just grace and it's not just truth. If you go one or the other, you'll find yourself in trouble. Grace, if, we don't, if it's just grace and grace all the time, someone will never grow into maturity as a Christian. Because what happens is, okay, and, and grace is needed. We all need grace and we all need truth. And so we come and we give our lives to Jesus and he forgives us. We come into a relationship with him and we find grace in Jesus Christ. And then we go, oh, that's awesome. And then and I, I belong to him. And then what happens is pressures come. Bit of trouble comes. Bit of stress comes. And we've got, and we've got grace and we go, oh, how do I, ha- I don't know how to handle this. What do I do? And we end up stepping, oh, I'm just going to step back into my old way of dealing with it, which, wasn't, which got you into trouble in the first place. And so then what we do, we go, oh, Jesus gives me grace. Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please. And we ask for forgiveness. And he forgives you. And that's grace. And then that's where we stay. We stay with grace. Okay. And then, but we fall back in again and we come back again. And we, and we sit in this, Left and right, I'm stuck. I'm going, hang on. And then after all, we're going, how come I'm not going anywhere? Like, how come I keep messing up? Because you haven't got truth. And so grace will keep you stuck and, and not knowing how to mature and not know how to grow. But when you know truth, the truth instructs you and helps you to step with your grace, empowers through grace to step and to grow into a Christian. And Jesus instructs, the Word of God instructs us how to grow in grace and truth. So then truth helps you to grow and mature. So then when pressure comes, when struggles come, then I go, hang on a minute, I don't need to go back that way because the Word of God, the truth of His Word has shown me how I can live a life of victory through Jesus Christ. I don't need to go back to that. Yes, there's grace. Yes, we make mistakes. There's always grace. But truth will help you to live out the grace and live out the forgiveness and live out a life. But if we just go the other way and just go, it's all about truth. It is all about truth. But if we just go with truth, you can become very condemning and judgmental of other people. You can be right all the time. But delivered without grace actually pushes someone away. It's like, oh, you've mucked up again. God says you shouldn't do that. 
God's word says this. God says, and you can come across and someone can speak without grace and without love. And they could be speaking the truth, but it's condemning someone. And they feel like they're just rubbish. And they're like, well, if, if this is what it is, then I don't want anything like that because I just feel like people are looking down on me all the time. And, you know, we, we as Christians, we have, you have no right to judge someone that doesn't know Jesus. Do you realize that? You know, you can now, if someone is a believer, you can challenge a believer and just and say, hey, and come up to them with love and grace and say, hey, look, I see that this stuff happening. Are you okay? Can I help with something? I know something that doesn't seem right. And you know, ch- challenge someone about a believer about that if they should know better. Because when we've received Jesus, when we have a truth that fills us and a life that fills us and a grace that fills us, and we have some understanding of sin and the consequences of sin, so we can then help each other and keep each other accountable. But, but, we, but looking at someone, like the worst thing you can do is judge someone that doesn't know Jesus and go, oh, they should know better. Should they? How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know what they know? I didn't see Jesus judging anyone that didn't really know the truth. I saw him deal with some Pharisees and Sadducees that knew the law backwards and challenged them, but he showed incredible grace. Incredible grace to those that were far from God, that just didn't know. He said people like sheep without a shepherd. And so we don't know what people... I've talked to several people in the last 12 months. I've talked to some that came to this church and they came and asked me, they said, you know, what, why do we celebrate Easter and why do we celebrate Christmas? What's that about? And they had no idea. They had no idea that it was about Jesus. Sincerely asked the question, what's that about? And they were in their 20s, 30s years old and they just never known. I want to tell you, there's people out there, we think they should know, we think they should know about Jesus, but there's people that don't really understand. So they need grace and they need truth. But if you just come with truth and say, blah, 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 the Bible says this and blah, blah, you should get your life right with God because, you know, if you don't, you're going to hell. I've seen people do that. They'll be like, you know, to you. That's the reaction you'll get. But Jesus didn't come like that. He came with, notice I use four fingers. It's okay. It's, it's four. He came with grace and truth. It's important because we live in a broken world. And when you come with grace and truth, when you come with the love of Jesus Christ, it's amazing how it will. when they receive grace, then they're ready to receive truth. Then you begin to speak into their life. So I want to share three stories with you in a second. Grace and truth are like railway tracks. Try and put a train on one track. See how you go. You're going to crash and burn. Okay? You need both tracks to function and balance right. Grace and truth are like that. You need grace and truth to be in balance and to function well. 
John 8, 31 and 32 says, To the Jews who had uh, believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not just about hearing the truth, it's knowing the truth. You know the truth by reading the Word of God. You know the truth by watching how Jesus lived and understanding how He treated people. You know the truth, and when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. What will you set free from? The old way of coping. The old way of going back when I muck up, when, I'm, when the pressure's on. I go back to my old way of doing this, that, that, and the other that got me into trouble. No, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free, and I don't need to go back there anymore because I've been set free, and I know the one who is truth. And he helps me, and his truth helps me to be an overcomer and to conquer and to win. And so I want to share three stories. Here we go. The first one is about the woman caught in adultery. John 8, 8 2 to 11 says, At dawn he appeared again to the temple court, in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made their stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman, which was true. Now what do you say? They're doing this whole thing to trick him. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing, with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. So when, when, they, were, when they taught, Jesus sat. So he's sitting down and these religious leaders bring in a woman caught in adultery. My first thought about this story is, where's the guy? If they were really concerned about the situation, he would have been there too. So their agenda, they didn't care about her. They didn't care about the guy. They didn't even care about the act of adultery. They just cared about getting Jesus. Their motivation was, let's get this guy and at whatever cost. And so he's sitting down and they are accusing him. And they said, you know, and they would have rocks with him. Imagine this poor lady stand, you know, standing there, dragged her out in the middle of the street in front of a whole lot of people that were with Jesus listening to him teach and they would have rocks and like the law of Moses says she's got we've got to stone her what do you say Jesus and they were just waiting if he just said oh yeah that's what the law says you should do that they would have stoned her to death and Jesus didn't say anything most frustrating thing is it when when you ask a question and people don't say anything and he's just like hmm he's just sitting down probably wasn't even looking at them and he just starts to write in the ground the bible doesn't tell us what he wrote but he starts to write in the ground and then he simply says you know and that's why when you read stories about jesus and how he handled situations he had incredible wisdom 
And then I hear so much do because sometimes you don't need to give a whole explanation and answer when people ask you question when you're just not like right in that agenda. God will give wisdom and the answer someone in a way that shows up in there in days. And Jesus said, Oh, if any of you haven't sinned, you throw the first stone. If you're so perfect, throw the first stone. Who's who's first? And they're all looking at each other. Barry, are you going? Claude. I don't think any of them have those names. <laughs> and so, and they're looking at each other, and the Bible says that like the older ones who got it real quick, they've been around a while, they thought, okay, whoever, you know, if I throw a stone, then I'm basically saying I'm, I'm, I'm perfect, I'm like God. Because they all knew they sinned. There's, it's quite possible that someone had, some of them had secret sins, that some of them standing there could have been in adultery themselves and no one knew. And whatever Jesus wrote on the ground, more than likely he wrote, I reckon he wrote down twice. He said he wrote, he says, if you haven't sinned, throw the first stone. And then he starts writing again after asking that question. And I reckon he was simply writing every, a list of each man's sin. Claude. Barry. And so I reckon he's just writing a list of sins. And they're looking, and they're probably looking at their writing, they're like, oh, yeah, I've done that. That happened yesterday. And so the older ones are like, oh, and they're like dropping their stones and walking away, the younger ones, until they all leave. And this lady is standing there, and Jesus straightened up. Then he stands up, and he asks her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And he, she say, he looks around, no one, no one, so no one's condemned me. Then neither do I condemn you. And Jesus declared, go now and leave your life to sin. Now, where was grace and truth in that story? Grace is here. Grace told the adulterous woman, I don't condemn you. That's grace. Truth told her, go and sin no more. In other words, it's time to turn away from that life of sin because I'm empowering you to live out truth. I'm running out of time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I was going to talk about Zacchaeus who, uh, and, uh, who the tax collector climbed a tree and, you know, and out of all the, he was the chief tax collector, you know, and of all the people that Jesus could have chose, you know, it was an honor for, for a leader to come and say, I'm going to have lunch at your house, right? And so he's there and Jesus deliberately walks past, looks up and stops and sees Zacchaeus who had to climb a tree because he's so short and he couldn't see Jesus, wanted to see Jesus because he was like famous or something. And so he's, uh, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus knew his name, which is a miracle or was a word of knowledge right there. Never met him before, but knew his name. And he calls him out of the tree and he says, I'm coming to your house. And everyone around is like, what? He's like, they hate him. He's, a, he's ripped everyone off. He's, a chi- he's wealthy. You know, he had all the money because he'd ripped everyone off. And he was the chief tax collector. So he, wasn't, he was the, in charge of all the other tax collectors. So they're all getting a cut. And he's probably getting a cut off the other tax collectors. So he's just loaded. And so he's got all this money. And G- out of all the hundreds of people that have probably invited Jesus over for dinner, all the people, and Jesus stops and says, I want to go to your house which is a massive honor, and everyone was like, how, de- how can Jesus walk into the house of a sinner? And they're like mad. And the, basically he goes in, and, he, and, he, and it does, Bible doesn't say what the conversation was, but suddenly Zacchaeus stands up at the table and says, 
you know, if I've caused anyone, you know, harm or done anything good, I'm going to give half, all half my possessions to the poor, right? Just imagine just getting half your possessions, that's your car, your house, everything you own, half of it and give it all away. And then he says, and if I've ripped anyone off, I'm going to pay them back four times if I've ripped anyone off their taxes. He's probably broke at the end of it, but he didn't care because Jesus had made such an impression in his life and changed whatever he said that, that his whole life was changed in a moment. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. What, what was grace in that story? Grace was what called him out of the tree that Jesus stopped. Jesus will stop for one person. He will stop for you. He will stop for one person that is broken. That is a shame. I want to share this last story. I love this story. It's about 10 lepers. In Luke 17, verse 11, it says, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered one village, 10 men approached him, but they kept their distance, for they were lepers. Lepers, if you didn't understand, they had a skin disease, pretty bad disease. Part, it would eat away your skin. Your fingers would fall off. Your toes would fall off first. It would eat away your body. And so because they had a skin disease and because other people could catch it, they couldn't live in the city. They had to live outside the city. So lepers, there'd be leper colonies because lepers would come together and, and live together because they all had the, something in common. They all had leprosy. They all had skin diseases. So these are outside the city. They weren't allowed to associate with people weren't allowed to associate with their family couldn't live with their family so they were cut off and they shouted because they couldn't get close to Jesus so they shouted from a distance mighty Lord our wonderful master they'd heard about Jesus because that's the title they gave him won't you have mercy on us and heal us and when Jesus stopped to look at them he spoke these words, go to be examined by the Jewish priest. Now, you think he didn't lay hands on them. He didn't do anything. He didn't say, be healed. Because the, the custom was that if you were healed from a skin disease, you had to go and show yourself to the Jewish priest and they would pronounce you healed and you could go back into your community, go back to your family, go back to your house. So Jesus simply says, go and show yourself to the Jewish priest. They understood that by if Jesus is telling me to go, because if they walked in with leprosy, they were in major trouble walking into that temple, walking in to see the Jewish priest. And so they understood well, he's telling us to go, which means he's telling us we're healed. But the thing was, they weren't healed yet. Because it says, when Jesus um, stopped looking at me, spoke these words, go and be examined by the Jewish priest, they set off, it says, and they were healed while walking along the way. So they could have st stayed there and went, nah, hasn't worked. He's like, go and show, no, but I'm not healed. I can't go. They could have argued with Jesus, saying, but you're telling me to go, but if I go, turn up like this, I'm in trouble. I'm not healed. He, and he's telling him to go. But for whatever reason, they had enough faith just to believe Jesus. And they just started walking. And as they walked, the disease on their skin left them. And so they all walked, 10 of them. They set off and were healed while they were walking along the way. One of them, a Samaritan, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus, shouting out joyous praises and glorifying God. When he found Jesus, he fell down his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, you are the Messiah. So all the 10 realized they're healed. 
And one who wasn't even Jewish, who was a Samaritan, which is significant because Samaritans didn't usually talk to Jews and hated them. But obviously it was a mixture of them because they all were in the same boat. And he stopped when he realized he was healed and he came back to Jesus to give thanks and started praising God. And one of the most saddest lines in the Bible is this one, when Jesus says, so where are the other nine? Do you know why Jesus said that? Is because he had more for them. He had something for all of them and only one came back. So where are the other nine? Jesus asked, weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return to give thanks and give glory to God, except you are foreigner from Samaria. So the, the one that was least, the one that were probably most unlikely one to come back and give thanks to a Jewish rabbi was a Samaritan, but he's the only one that came back. Then Jesus said, to the healed man so he's been healed lying at his feet arise and go it was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole so then he'd been healed but with leprosy some of your fingers have been eaten off some of your skin's eaten away you know if if you were healed and you lost a finger it was probably healed up to there but Jesus said because you came back You've received salvation and wholeness. In other words, his fingers probably grew back. He was made completely whole because he came back to give praise and thanks to God. And he received salvation and forgiveness and Jesus as a Savior because he said, rise and go, it was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. Grace healed them all as they walked Grace healed them all as they walked. Truth said to the one, it was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. In other words, truth was that because you came back, because you realized I wanted to give thanks to God, there was something more for you. In other words, he came back and there's, when we come back and put God in the right place and we thank Him and give Him praise for what He's done, suddenly God says, well, that wasn't it. I have more. Truth says, because you came back, I have more for you. I've seen people in this church come and get healed, miraculously healed in the last five, six years. It's been a few, but they've come and they've received, and they've got healed of like something that was like incurable. And they came in and go, oh, thank you. They got healed and I've never seen them again. And they're still healed. And so, and, G, and God didn't go, oh, that's terrible. I'm going to take back that healing. No, because he's full of grace and truth. But the sad thing is there was more. That our salvation is just the beginning of the race. You can, it's like you start the race. It's our salvation. Let's run this. We're going to run a 400 meters, one lap of this thing. And we're starting the race. Salvation. And like, if we're just living in grace, we go, oh, we take off. Oh, I've mucked up. And we're back at the start line. Let's go. Take, oh, no, I've, I've, and, and everyone else is like, what are you doing? Like, I want to run this race. And like, oh, but I, I just keep mucking up. And they said, 
No, you've got to live it. And they're like, there's other people living out in truth, grace and truth. And they're like, oh, well, we're running the race. If you're going to be stuck here in this thing, you can go around and around in circles, but we're running this race and completing this race. Our salvation is just the beginning. That's the starting line. Truth lets you run the race. Truth lets you run into freedom, into a life. It lets you run into everything that God has for you. There is always more. Jesus always has more. When you think He's given you everything you had, there is always more. There is always more. Let me just finish with this. Max Licardo, who some of you know, he said, Jesus shared truth, but graciously. Jesus offered grace, but truthfully. Grace and truth work together. Let me ask you one question today. How has Jesus offered grace and truth to you? How has He offered grace and truth to you? How has He offered it to you this week, the last couple of months? How has He offered grace and truth to you? What did you used to be like before meeting Him? When did you receive grace? And are you living in truth? Or are you stuck in a spiral of You know, I I muck up and I'm sort of stuck in this area of just grace, grace. And He'll keep forgiving you, but He wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. He has so much more for you. He has so much more for you. Grace and truth. Not just grace, not just truth, but grace and truth. Let's stand up. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.basechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Basechristianchurch. Christian Church.